To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happens to all of them. Beauty is truth, truth is beauty, that is all you know on earth, and all you need to know. The first two come from Ecclesiastes, um, which you may know from basically the middle of the Bible. It's Solomon's words discussing life and the point of it. The third quote is from Keats' Ode on a Grecian Urn, which you may or may not be as familiar with, but here is the point. Everything has a time, everything has a purpose, and truth is the basis of all. And Keats, in his immortal words, said that truth is beauty and beauty is truth. And I think there's truth to that. In other words, beauty is all we need to discover truth, and truth itself is beautiful. This is what we know, and it's what we need to know. Today, we look at a claim of beauty without truth. Is that possible? Can you possibly know what beautiful is if you don't know what truth is? And this really is the problem that we find ourselves in in this modern society, in our culture. We don't like truth. We don't know truth. We don't reflect truth. We don't care about the truth. All we care about is you. You be you. You live your truth. You make up what works for you. And then, at the same time, we're asked to know what beautiful is. But if you don't know what truth is, how can you know what beautiful is? If it's only subjective to you, or only subjective to me, then there is no standard. But is that real? Is that really how things are? Can you look at a sunset and go, that really is beautiful? Can you look at the moon in the heavens or the stars in the skies or the Grand Canyon or waves crashing on a beach and think, this really is beautiful and there is a reason for it? And part of that is just reality. Reality is beautiful. And I would say the reason that it's beautiful is because we know it came from somewhere. I would say it's created. It's created by a creator, and the creator created beauty. I know that was a lot of creating there, but that's really the bottom line. If we figure out that this truth is real, and beauty is real, and truth is beauty, and beauty is truth, then maybe we can figure out a little bit more of what's going on in our world today. I'm Matt Odegaard, and this is Church Public. Welcome back to Church Public. I'm Matt Odegaard, your host as always, and I really appreciate you stopping by. we got a lot of things to talk about today where we're looking at a person who claims to be beautiful, but are they? And a beauty brand that literally their whole design is to be about beauty, and yet they have no relation to the truth. Can you be beautiful without truth? These are the questions. These are the things we've got to figure out. So we're going to try to wrestle through that. And we're going to try to wrestle through it with a Christian lens. This is current events from a Christian perspective because I want you to be equipped to understand what it means when you open up the Bible and read it and then walk out your door and go into this crazy world. What is this world really like? And how do we live in it? Taking your faith with you, not just having faith for yourself, in your home, maybe outside in your church, but having faith everywhere you go. Because I think that's the way we were designed to live. We're not designed to live in these compartmentalized spaces where you can be a certain person here and a different person here. That's just disjointed and and really schizophrenic when you get down to it, which seems to be the way this culture wants us to go, rather than being real. And as we talked about at the beginning, 
being true. Not to just yourself, but to reality. At any rate, I'm Matt Odegaard. This is Church Public. If you haven't already, you can hit the button, like, subscribe, share, send it to somebody if it's helpful to you. I just want to get the word out so that you can be more equipped to go out into the world and live in the public square with the truth and the knowledge and I'll say, of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let's get into some things today. So today, we are looking at truth and beauty. And so beauty brand Ulta went woke and then subsequently kind of went broke because they posted a tweet about the beauty of girlhood on a podcast hosted by two men who were pretending to be girls. Yep, that's confusing, and we'll get into that a little bit. Next, we go to church, though I would admit not a church that I would like to go where another man who pretends to be a woman in front of children discussing why the Bible makes you transgender or something like that. Then finally, we look to the draft. You know, the draft where if you're a man, you have to go to war if the government says you do to see what's really true, even though no one else wants to say it. And of course, we end with Bible because today we're hitting Ecclesiastes. Uh, so I hope you stay around because I think it's going to be a good one. All right, let's get into some of these stories. Okay, so the first story we're looking at today is <clears throat> this Ulta Beauty ad, and it started with this tweet, and I'll, I'll put this tweet up for you. So this is the tweet from Ulta Beauty, and Ulta Beauty is a very large beauty brand, and to be honest, I don't care. I don't care about beauty brands uh, pretty obviously, right? But the reason we have to talk about this is, and, and if you're just listening, I'm going to describe this for you if you want to see this on video and there is a video available, you may want to because we're going to play some videos today and uh, I say a lot that a picture is worth a thousand words. I don't know what to tell you here. Like, there, I'm just going to describe it and if you can't see it, maybe that's better. Anyway, so this is the beauty brand Ulta and what you have here is two men sitting down at a table. One of them has a very pronounced beard. Um... And this is Ulta Beauty's tweet for a series that's called The Beauty Of, dot, dot, dot. And this one, in particular, is The Beauty Of Girlhood. So the tweet reads, trans, I'm not going to do the claps. In between every one of these words has a clap. I I'm not reading it. I'm not going to clap it. Anyway, trans girls can do it all. Tune in to the latest episodes of Beauty Of, dot, 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 where host David Lopez, with lots of Zs, sits down with guest Dylan Mulvaney to chat all things girlhood and uh, then gives a link. So this is apparently the host of the show, David Lopez, who has a beard, and then the guest, Dylan Mulvaney, to chat about being a girl. So beauty brand, two men, dressed up like women, talking about being a girl. Yes. This is the culture that we live in right now. So in order to really understand what's going on, we have to understand who Dylan Mulvaney is. And this is just a quick clip of what's going on here. So this is a person who decided to transition from a man into a girl, not a woman, but a girl. And, and that's specific, apparently, uh, and has an enormous TikTok following. And here's just a few of the days accounted for in this situation. Day one of being a girl, and I have already cried three times. Day two of being a woman, I am at the Rose Bowl flea market with my best friend, and we are wearing matching dresses. Day three 
of being a girl and I've already become a bimbo. Day seven of being a girl and oh my gosh, one whole week of being publicly a woman. Day 10 of girlhood and today I am singing. I need to pick out a few female songs, so let's see which ones we like. 13 of being a girl and it feels like Christmas morning. I am finally going to get laser hair removal on my face. Okay, this just goes on and on and on and I'll, I'll spare you. But the point here is that this man has decided to be a girl. Because he wants to. Because of the feels. And what we started off talking about is beauty and truth. And so we'll talk about the truth for a moment. You are born into the body that you have. And you can do all kinds of chemicals, surgeries. You can do whatever you want to do. But you really just can't biologically change from one to the other. It's just not reality. It's not true. And we've talked about that sometimes. And I have compassion for this person because obviously they're um, hurting. There's a lot going on there. And then what happens is this person, Dylan, uh, is platformed by Ulta Beauty um, in order to be part of this series talking about being a woman, but in this case, being a girl. Now, I'll say too, even before that, and I don't think I have this clip here, um, but uh, just a little bit ago, they, Dylan um, was uh, heralded as 2022 Forbes Power Women's uh, representative. So this boy, man, became the representative for Forbes women of women, but he's a man. I know. This is hard to keep track of. Anyway, so Truth and Beauty. This is Dylan Mulvaney, um, who is representing girls. But see, the problem that I have here is that, um, I I have daughter. Um, I'm married to a woman, and neither of them in their whole lives. And I have sister, and I have mother, and mother-in-law, and friends who are women. None of them ever have ever in their whole lives acted like this guy's acting. Um, it's like a cartoon. It's like a character. It's it's and and even in some of these videos, he says he. Grew up in musical theater, had a ton of musical theater. That's what it seems like to me. It seems like a musical theater play where he's playing what he thinks a girl is rather than what a girl actually is because, unfortunately for him, he can't ever be that. So he becomes the face of Ulta Beauty, apparently, and the face of girls. And and so they have this quick conversation. This This is just a quick part of it. It's really long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. But here's part of it. Day one of being a girl, and I have already cried. Now I know I can find love. I know I can still be a performer. I know that I can have a family. I want to be a mom one day. And I absolutely can. And that's why the narrative still has a long way to go. Because when I was grieving Boy Dylan, I didn't know those things were even accessible to me. So hearing some of that, right? He was grieving Boy Dylan. I mean, I feel for that. that that's, that's sad to me. But... When he says, now I know what it's like to be a girl, and now I'm growing into that, and I want to be a mom someday, and I can. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know what to say to that. Like, now we're not living in reality. Because a man just can never be a mom. Um, he could adopt a baby. 
But in order to do that, another woman is going to have a baby. Uh, or you could do the surrogacy thing where another woman can donate an egg and then another woman can donate a womb and you could make a baby. But now we're just doing science and we're not doing nature because, again, this man is never going to have a baby. It's just not, not the way reality works. So the truth and beauty. What is true and what is beautiful? Beautiful things are real because they are, and they're created in a way. And God makes beautiful things. And we can admire beautiful things because of the way God makes them. But what we don't get to do is create a new reality and then call it beautiful and say, this is the way life is supposed to be. And I can be a mom when I just can't. And sure, there are women who can't be moms. I get that. But the normal state, the general state of being a woman is the capacity to bear children. That's how women are literally created. That's, that is their superpower. Superpower of a woman is to have a baby. They literally produce life. To co-opt that in a weird costume is really sad to me um, because it's a mockery of, of what a woman is. And it's, you know, there's all this talk about cultural appropriation, which apparently is really bad. And actually I have, anyway, a lot of thoughts on but we won't talk about it now. This is appropriation of women by a person who can't ever be even close to that. So it's really sad to see this person struggling so much with their identity instead of rooting their identity in something that is real. Uh, even if you want to just go biologically, but I'll go one step further and say, and spiritually. We're created in God's image. We're created in a certain way. We're created in a way that, that is wonderful and beautiful. And to say, I'm going to change my appearance. I'm going to take all these chemicals to change my appearance, do all these surgeries to change my appearance. You're saying to God, I think you made a mistake. I don't like the way you made me. I think I can do better than you. And anytime you get into this place of saying I can do better than God, what we would call that in biblical terms is idolatry. You're saying that your body should be different than it is, and you know better than God, therefore putting yourself in the place of God, which is idolatry. Idolatry is taking something out of where God should be and putting something else in, whether it's you, whether it's your idealized conception of who you are. I mean, this is, this is just the reality. I mean, and you go back to the Ten Commandments. I mean, this is God saying, don't have idols before me. Don't put other gods before me. Don't put anything before me. He's kind of particular about that because God wants to be God. And as one person said, there is a God and you're not him. But we do this, and, and we all do this. We all have idolatrous thoughts and feelings. This is nothing new or specific to this individual. But it's very glaring in this instance because even those that don't know God or, or don't want to follow God can still see reality, which is why this beauty brand, Ulta, also began to go broke when they went this direction. Be, not not really, I don't think they're really going broke, but they got a lot of pushback from all sides of the aisle, whether conservative, Christian, or liberal, or feminist. Because if you believe that a woman is a woman, and you fight for women's rights, this is an assault, an affront to everything you stand for. It's a man saying, I know how to woman better than you, woman, do. That is horribly insulting. 
terrible and tremendously outrageous just just to say that uh, and to say I'm going to be a better mom than you even though physically realistically that's not even possible so this brand got just run up and down through the mud uh, over this they even had to shut comments down on this tweet which shows you they knew that this was going to be very controversial so I just I feel for this person I feel for all those that are struggling with this kind of situation, but at the same time, we have to point out what is really true. All right, next, uh, we got to go to church, and unfortunately, we got to go to church. It's not exactly the church that I want to go to, but this is a person that I've actually brought up before, um, and it's just similar and sadly related, but this is, according to this person, Miss Penny Cost. Uh, which is a play on Pentecost, of course, um, the uh, the part of Christianity where the Spirit comes down. Um, and this is this is Miss Pentecost, who is uh, is I'm just going to play this clip and then we'll talk about it. Have any questions for Miss Pentecost? Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you like her eyeshadow? That's great. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she'll let you borrow it. When you're older, like when you're allowed to wear makeup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, one of the things I think is great about Miss Pentecost is she reminds us that we, we follow a God who calls us to not conform to things of this world. Uh, that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And that means that what I think today may have to change tomorrow if I continue to renew my mind. And it's so cool that we serve a God that calls us to continue to grow and continue to, to change into something new. So, again, if you're just listening, this was a person who's a man, clearly, dressed up like a characterized version of a woman, in a church, on the stage, kind of in the altar area, two kids are sitting there, with masks on. And then the pastor of this church apparently is also there. So you may remember a few weeks ago, we talked about this person, Pentecost, uh, whose real name is Isaac Simmons. And last year, apparently he became the first openly gay man to receive approval as a certified candidate for ordained ministry in the United Methodist Illinois Great Rivers Conference. So uh, also, apparently he's the first drag queen pastor certified. Anyway, here's, and, and you heard some of the things they said, and I, and I want to talk about this because he, he talks about this, this clip from the Bible, um, that you, you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that means that you should change your mind and apparently also be trans, uh, which I want to talk about in a second. But, but also I, I just need to continue to point out that there are two little children sitting on this stage with this enormous man um, who, who clearly is a tall man because he's taller than the other quote-unquote pastor who's standing there. Um, and these two little kids are, are, are staring and sitting there. And, and, and someone, I'm just going to say Jesus, said, if anyone causes one of these children to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone tied around their neck and tossed into the sea. Out of Matthew eighteen six, Mark Mark nine forty two, um, so so just that is kind of a thing, and I won't get too far into that, but it really is important that we protect children, and Jesus thought so too. 
Um, and I know, you know, people will say, well, I'm not being loving by saying this, and I'm not loving my neighbor by saying this, but, but this is why we started with truth and beauty. True things are true, and you can pretend they're not true. You can tell your kid that eating a lot of candy is good for them, but that's not true. You can't see people, especially in a church, doing things that are not true, not biblical, not Christ-like, and not say, this isn't it. You, you can't say you're a pastor, you can't say you're an ordained minister if you're not going to do what the Bible says. So we have to point these things out, and we have to say, like, hey, this is not good. And you're doing it in front of children whom Jesus highly regarded and said, if you cause one of these little kids to stumble, that you should rather have a stone tied around your neck and thrown into the ocean rather than whatever punishment he has in store. At any rate, this guy's going to have to contend with that, and that's not my job. But um, I won't get into the history of this particular church. I did look it up, but but it is it is a it is a an interesting place nonetheless. It just uh, it makes me sad that churches are opening themselves up to do this, and and in the name of of tolerance and in the name of openness and in the name of uh i guess love quote unquote whatever they think that means but again i I don't see this as loving even in a biblical sense i see this as taking advantage of both the office of pastor and these poor little children that are sitting there and whomever else is sitting in the audience participating in this and this really all comes from the fact that they don't actually believe in God. And, and, and this isn't even just me saying this. This person, Miss Pentecost, or Isaac, actually said they don't believe in God. They don't believe God is anything but a feeling or perhaps butterflies in your stomach. Now, I'm going to play this clip, and unfortunately, there's a couple of words that this ordained trans pastor, it's a lot of words together that don't make any sense, but... Uh, said himself. Um, and unfortunately, there's some, there's some words in here. It is bleeped out, but I just want to warn you ahead of time. I think it's important to hear, in his words, how he feels about God. Look, the Bible, the Bible is nothing. Nothing but poetry, pain, and performance. The Bible is no more holy than Allen Ginsberg's Howls of Life, no more peaceful than Oscar Wilde's Requiescat and Pache, and no more stronger than Tammy Faye's damn eyelash glue. God himself is no more tangible than the concophony of invisible butterflies floating in new lovers' stomachs yearning to be set free from the bondage of past harm and the lacks of rightful mistrust. God himself is nothing. So, again, in this person's, and, and again, if you're not watching, he just looks like a guy right there. I guess it's not all dressed up, but same person. And you heard, the beginning was the Bible is nothing. The end was God is nothing. This person has no respect for, care for the Bible or God or tradition or Christianity, as far as I can tell. And yet they're in a church that is connected to Methodism, 
which, I mean, according to the Methodist own book of discipline, says that homosexuality is, quote unquote, incompatible with Christian teaching. And uh, such action, even according to their book of discipline, is a chargeable offense. But in whatever context this is in, in the church, apparently it's okay. They don't care about their own teachings. They don't care about the Bible. They don't care about God. They just do whatever they want. And and just, I, I know this is going to get a little bit deep, but we have to go into this. And this comes into this French philosophy that came through in the 19th, 20th century of deconstructionism uh, and, and, and postmodernism. And I'm not going to get into all the names. I, I don't want to bore you with all, all of the, the philosophy of it, though though I've looked through it extensively. And, and maybe I'll talk about it at another time. But But the point here is, the, the 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 whole reasoning of this French philosophy, deconstructionism and postmodernism, is that words have no meaning. And and this really is the kernel that I just this is what I want you to understand. Words don't matter. And if you understand that to this whole side of the country, of the world, that words don't matter, you begin to understand that. That's why it doesn't matter if there's hypocrisy. It doesn't matter if they don't say what they do or do what they say. It doesn't matter if they invent things and invent realities that, like, a man can have babies. It doesn't matter because words don't have any meaning. That really is the philosophy that undergirds this whole thing. And people believe it whether or not they even realize they're believing it. This is where it lives. That words just don't have meaning. And the opposite of this in their thoughts is also true. That by saying words, you can create reality. By saying a man is a woman or a man can have babies or, or to like, the, like this uh, bastardization of Romans that they just said that you, you transform your mind by becoming trans or whatever they said. That creates this reality rather than anchoring your words actually in reality, right? You see how it's opposite form. But the problem is, words really do have meaning. Words really do signify reality. And we all know that. And we all live in that. We really do live in this real world. And we work in this real world. And we drive around in this real world where gravity exists and mass times acceleration exists. And when you step on your brakes, you hope they work so that they actually stop you. Reality is real and we live in it, and we, and we react in it, and we have communities in it, and we communicate in it. And once we say that words don't work, or words can mean whatever they want, or you can use whatever pronouns you want, this is why the pronoun issue is such a big issue too. Because if you just make up words for whatever you want, then nothing means anything. And that's the whole point. The deconstructionist wants to just literally deconstruct everything and remove the value, the meaning of words. But this is, again, as we talked about earlier, idolatry. It's another form of idolatry. It takes the symbol, the word, is a symbol of something. A word is our representation of what a thing is. If I look at the guitar over my shoulder, and I say guitar, we know that word, guitar, is a symbol for the actual guitar. It could be named anything. That just happens to be what it's named. And you could go through, literally, the whole alphabet, the whole dictionary, the whole thesaurus. It's all the same because words have meaning. The word is the symbol that plants to reality. The problem is this deconstructionist philosophy has made the word the idol. 
and the word the thing. So then you hold up this word and say a man is a woman and a man can have babies and a man can be whatever they want to be. Then you've taken the word and removed it from what it actually connects to in reality and then it just floats away and it becomes whatever you want it to be. That's where we lose it here. But this is idolatry. It's, it's taking this symbol for the actual reality. And, and we know they don't actually even really mean this because the experience is connected to reality. You can, you, can, you can remove your subjective experience, your feelings from reality. You, you can take it apart and you can create your own reality. In, in other words, if you feel like a woman, you can become a woman just by saying you're a woman. That that's how this works. And we see this over and over and over again. I just played you a couple of clips about that. But, and, and we have this whole generation of people who think that if they cry loud enough and yell loud enough and say these words loud enough that it actually will create this reality and, and, and bring it to pass. Uh, but, but they don't. They think that if they wail and gnash their teeth and curse with enough energy, they can force men to be women in reality. They can force God to be nothing. They can force the Bible to be nothing. They believe that if you take enough hormones and perform enough surgeries and change kids young enough, they'll actually transform into what they want to be, if that's the opposite gender or not. But it's all a lie. It's all idolatry. None of this is real. Sure, the brokenness is real, the, the, the broken hearts, the feelings, the hurt is real. And I have sympathy for that. But this hurt, this feeling, is not what reality is made of. We can hurt in the brokenness of this world. We can hurt with people that are hurting in the brokenness of this world. That's the loving thing to do. But we can't change the world to match your hurts. Do you see the difference? This is why this is such an important point. And it's so important to understand this point in the matter of truth and beauty. We have to understand that while you're hurting, while many people are hurting, we can't conform the world around them to become something different that just isn't real. That's not good for them. It's not good for us. It's not good for the world. And it isn't even true. You don't get to control reality. You don't get to tell gravity to take a day off. You don't get to cause the sun to rise or set. You don't have that power. I don't have that power. There are rules and laws and truths that are real, whether you like those truths or not. Whether you feel good about those truths or not. Whether they comfort you or not. There are true things, and there is a maker of all the true things. And the good news is... God wants you to live with him forever and ever and have joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But in order to have these things, you have to accept the first thing, that there is a God and that you're not him. We have to renounce this idolatry that we've put onto this world and that Jesus is, in fact, the only way. And that leads us to this final quick story that is about the draft. You know, the draft. The draft is the thing that if you're a man... You, at the moment, you have to sign up for when you become 18. Because if, for some reason, the government says, hey, we need to go to war and we need you to help us in this war, you get to go to war. You, you kind of don't have a choice. There's a lot of draft dodger stories throughout a couple of decades ago. But you, you don't have a choice. You have to sign up and you have to be part of the draft. And everybody knows this. And so here is what 
the administration just posted very recently about this. So they just posted the selective service, which is what this draft is, is called. This is from October 7, 2022. The selective service said, parents, if your son is an only son and the last male in your family to carry the family name, he is still required to register with SSS, the selective service. Learn more about who needs to register and it gives a link. So again, apparently people are saying, well, it's my last son. It's my last namesake. I, I can't register this, this man, this, my, my boy, my son for the draft. And the selective service says, no, you, you have to. But here's, here's the thing. And this is where it all ties together, actually, in reality. This is the current administration. Remember, I told you this is October 7th. This, this tweet just came out. This is who needs to register from the website of Selective Service. Um, it says almost all male U.S. citizens and male immigrants, 18 through 25, are required to register with Selective Services. And blah, blah, blah. Says a bunch of things about armed forces. You can go look at this. Uh, it's on there right now, as, as far as I just checked, and I, I screenshotted this so we could see it together. And then there's some little bubbles, some little bullets here that show who has to register and everything. Immigrants, U.S. residents, um, disabled men even have to re register, right? Uh, men who are already in the armed forces, like conscientious objectors, everybody has to register. And then right here at the bottom, uh, again, if you're if you're just just listening, you can go and look this up uh, and I'll, I'll uh, you know, look. you can look at the video churchpublic.com. Way down there at the bottom, it says, who has to register for the selective service? Transgender people. And there it is. This gives the whole game away. This, this is it. This is them admitting, even though a man can actually, physically, biologically become a woman. And at the moment, only men are, are allowed, or only men are forced to register for the selective service. But right here, it says transgender people, not men or women or whatever it says, transgender people are, are, have to, required to register for the selective service, for the draft. Why? Why would that be? Why would it be that these men who have transitioned into full womanhood have to register for a draft that's only for men? Why would the administration say that? Because they know, because everybody knows. This is all just words that you've created and manufactured to become this reality that is just imagination. It's not real. That you, you, you can't change your biology. You can't change your DNA, no matter how many chemical processes and physical processes and surgical processes that you have. You just, you just can't change it. God created you to be who you are, and you are who you are. And, and this is what... I think is really important for us to understand that they even admit that they understand, even though they don't want to say it, but they kind of said it because it is what it is. You, you can't stop reality. You can't take words and make them into something else. It just doesn't work that way. The world doesn't work that way. You cannot believe in God. You cannot believe in the Bible. Fine. I mean, no skin off my back. I think it might be skin off yours, but you know, you choose to do whatever you want to do. But you can't bend reality to your whim. You, you can't create out of nothing. This is, again, where if you don't believe in God, but you think you can create reality, it feels like you believe in God. And it feels like you're the, the God. <laughs> but unfortunately for you, that's not how things work. So we're going to end where we began, and we're going to end with Ecclesiastes, because I think it's a good book. It's, it's very depressing if you, if you read it, uh, because Solomon is really searching and, and struggles to find hope in this world.
but there is. And, and the reason that he finds it is he examines everything. Solomon is credited as the wisest person to have ever lived. And he talks about how there is a season for everything. He says in Ecclesiastes 3, to everything there's a season, a time to every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to harvest. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance. A time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace, and a time to refrain. A time to get, a time to loose, a time to keep, a time to cast away. A time to tear, a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak. A time to love, a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. And then he continues on in chapter 9. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might, all of your strength. There is no work, no device, no knowledge, no wisdom in the grave or anywhere, wherever you go. In other words, there is a reality. There is a truth. There is a beauty. And the closer that you create and the closer that you move yourself to the truth, the better your life is going to be. The closer you realize that the beautiful is not created by how you make things, but the beautiful is created by how God has already made things. Because he is truth. Because when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, that's one of the most controversial statements ever made. Because he's saying there is a truth and I am him. Whereas I have to say there is a God and I am not him. But Jesus, the one and only Son of God, could say, there is a God, and I am him. There is a truth, and I am it. And that truth is the way to not only eternal life, but abundant life on this earth as well. I hope that for you. If you're struggling, I'm sorry. And I hope that you can find the truth in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this madness, in the midst of this creation of imaginary worlds. I hope that you can find a foundation in God and God alone because that's really the only place that the beauty can also be found. You need the truth and you need the beauty. They have to be hand in hand. You cannot create beauty out of whole cloth pretending that you are the author of it. We, if we author or create anything, are just representing who God has created us to be. That God created, we are his creation, and we can then be creative. To create out of nothingness or to create out of your own feelings or your own thoughts or your own desires only creates that which is imaginary, that which is dust, that which is a breath. Instead, I hope that you create, I hope that you find the beauty in the real, in the truth, and the one and only Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. God bless you. Thank you for joining in. And for Church Public, I'm Matt Odegaard. And of course, keep the faith.